Hello, I'm Andrew Kokstarki, and this is SEO in 2024. Andrew, what's your number one SEO tip for 2024? It's an oldie but a goodie, David. So I think more people in 2024 need to focus on EEAT as it is now. Okay, so you mentioned EEAT there, but um, we were talking beforehand and you neglected to add on the T on, on the end. Um, have we suddenly decided that trust is an essential element here or is it um, still not <laughs> quite as important? <laughs> so you, can, you can be not, not trustworthy, it's fine. Google will let it rank you anyway. No, I think from, so I read the quality raters guidelines because I'm that kind of nerdy guy. And if you look at it in the way Google talk about it, trust is this kind of overarching thing of like, you know, if you don't have the E, E and A, then you can't have the T. So I think that's why I think people focus maybe a little bit too much on the trust and not on the other things. And actually, if you build those elements to show that you have experience, expertise and authoritativeness, then by definition, you are trustworthy. So I think building those things will help you prove to Google that you are trustworthy. If you build it, trust will come. <laughs> Something like that. So um, shall we focus on the, the other three elements then? And um, I guess starting off with experience, um, how do you build experience? Well, so you have to have it first, right? You can't fake it. And it's interesting to look at the way that Google talks about this in those quality rater guidelines. Yeah, my kind of tip would be for lots of people to, to read those guidelines. It's a about 170 odd pages. So lots of people don't, lots of people say they have, they haven't really, they kind of skim it. Can we get chat GPT to summarize it? <laughs> yeah, probably. But if you look at the way that Google talks about it, they say things like consider the extent to which the content creator has the necessary firsthand or life experience in the topic. And if you think about those kind of things, like, you know, we always have those, you know, people call their dad to come and, you know, fix their plumbing for them, whatever. And it's, why'd you call your dad or why'd you call your neighbor or your uncle or your aunt or it doesn't have to be gender specific. Why do you call that person? Because they've done it before, right? They know what they're doing. You think they have experience in that area. You, ho you hope that they'll be able to help you plug a microwave in or whatever it is. But the, the difficulty with that is how do you prove that to a machine? Like you as a human know that. I know that you know, you know, you know about, we were talking earlier about microphones and cameras and all that. You've got experience in those areas. I know that as a human, because I've spoken to you. How do you prove that to a machine? How do you prove that you've got experience? And it's those kind of things of like, um, lots of people kind of copy each other on the internet. Now we get all these kind of spin off things of content and you scrape this and you steal a little bit of that and a little bit, but you're not showing that you have experience. You're showing that maybe you have experience in scraping, stealing other people's content and using chat GPT to write things for you. But how do you show Google that you have that kind of firsthand experience? And it's those kind of things where Google is now much more intelligent about those kind of things. They can tell the difference between to a certain extent, original content and stolen content or copied content, those kind of things. So if you want to show that you are experienced in this area and you have firsthand experience, one of the things that I think, and I've worked with clients where this really helps is having original photography. So if you have a photo of one of your plumbers fixing somebody's sink, not just a stock photo of a sink, not just a stock photo of a plumber that's on a hundred million other websites as well, but a photo of one of your team fixing a sink. Google sees that as an original image. Okay, this is a clue to, maybe they do know about things. And you look at these kind of um, intelligent systems that places like Facebook and Google use, they can identify the things in the photo. They know that in this photo is a van, 
a dog, a sink, a tap, a pipe. Google can identify these things in a photo. So if you have original photos, pretty confident, Google knows that's a photo that hasn't appeared anywhere else. So therefore it's just yours. It's unique to you. You are showing that you have this kind of unique first-hand experience of doing this thing. So I think original imagery, original photos, those kind of things. And, you know, there are certain industries where original photos is hard to come by. You know, you don't, some industries lend themselves more well to imagery and photos than others, but it doesn't have to just be photos. It can be, you know, original, create things originally for yourself, create logos. Don't do that kind of shortcut thing of, I'm just going to use a stock photo. I'm just going to use one of those free photo libraries like Unsplash, you know. Google can detect, detect that. They know that that image appears on, you know, if you ever do a reverse image lookup, that image appears on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of websites. You're just giving Google a clue that you're kind of just copying other stuff. Not original, not first-hand experience. And for original businesses, is having that photo on your Google business profile the best place to have it? I think that can help. Yeah, Google business profile, you should absolutely put images on. I think more about your content, right? So that page where you talk about our sink fixing service or our, you know, heating fixing service or our horseshoe fitting service, whatever it is that you're selling, you need to have those images on your website too. So it's that kind of corpus of content, which I think we're probably going to come back to a lot, like building up this kind of, you know, chapters in your book of the things that you talk about, having that kind of stuff across your website. So when Google reads the whole book of your website, they've got this chapter on this thing and they've got this chapter on this thing and this chapter on this thing. They're starting to build up this picture of you that actually, yeah, when you say you're an expert, everybody says they're an expert, right? But when you say you're an expert, you've got some evidence to back that up. That's a great way to think about the content in your website as a book and various chapters as well. Uh, if you're a thought leader in, in, in a B2B business, then is your LinkedIn profile key to demonstrating that experience? So I think with that kind of stuff, it's more about disambiguation. Like, so if you've got an unusual surname like me, Andrew Cockstock, there's not many of me out there. That's okay. When I talk about myself, Google probably knows who I am. When you have a more common surname, if you're a James Smith, Google's not going to be 100% sure about which James Smith that is. If you can then use things like schema markup to help Google understand that when we talk about this James Smith, we also mean this James Smith. And here's their, I was going to say Twitter, but X profile. And here's their LinkedIn profile. And here's the, you know, where they're cited on this other website. And here's all their, you know, their bibliography of all the books they've written on Amazon or whatever it is. That helps Google join up those dots of like, you know, we've talked um, many times in the past about entities. Like Google has an idea about entity, people very much an entity. So it wants to disambiguate that James Smith from all those other James Smiths. So yes, having a good LinkedIn profile, having it updated. So when you talk on your company, whether it's Majestic or Optimizee or whatever it is, that Google can look at a place like a directory of people like LinkedIn and go, oh, that James Smith. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We, we know who that person is. We trust them a little bit more than unknown James Smith. And what's the difference between, between expertise and experience? That's a good question. Google kind of fudge around a little bit. There's definite overlap in those kind of things. You can't be an expert in an area without some experience, you would hope. But it's about how you kind of prove those things. How do you prove your expertise? So again, I'm going to tell you I'm an expert on SEO. Of course I am. How do you know that? How, who, who else says that kind of stuff? So the expertise that might be in your area, you might have awards. Have you won awards and those kind of things? Everybody's won awards in SEO, but like, have you actually won good awards? Not just the ones that you can just buy for 500 bucks or whatever it is. The awards that, you know, people, other people talk about and trust, those kind of things. Like Google's reading, not just your book, it's reading all the books of the whole internet. So when other people talk about those awards, which are the awards worth, ha worth having? Have you got any of those? 
Have you got any certifications? Are you a member of a trade body or these kind of like a guild in your particular area? Have you done more recent training courses? Are you registered with companies? All these kind of things where you say you're an expert in that area, how can you prove it to a machine? Like, you know, if you wanted to say, you know, I've got this person who's come to offer to re-roof my house and this person, and this person's registered with this trade body and this person has this qualification and this person has this certification, all those things that you can prove and that a machine can prove because they can then go and look at those awards and they'll look through the archive of the website that looks at hosts all those awards and they'll find your name and they'll disambiguate it from all the other people with very similar names. It's that kind of stuff that you can prove your expertise. And then with experience, it's more, again, looking at the language and the way that Google talks about this kind of stuff in the quality rater guidelines, they're looking for that kind of firsthand experience. And some of that kind of stuff can come down to the way you talk about stuff. So when you talk about things that you've done on your website and the content that you write and all those kind of things, using that language about, you know, we did this, we found that this kind of thing happened, that we, we don't do it this way because when we did it this way in the past, it broke or it didn't work or it's more expensive or more time consuming or the result was like, how do you use the words and use language to convey your experience to a machine that's going to be looking for these clues about, have you actually done this? Or are you just an affiliate website kind of use all the, trying to use all the right buzzwords and keywords and things because you want to rank and just make money when people click that link? And there's expertise where social proof comes in as well, with things like review sites. So reviews of, of you or reviews of that particular product? I guess in this instance, when we're talking about expertise, it would be reviews of, of a company, of a, of a particular product. Yeah, so again, that kind of thing. So Google's going to be looking for proof. So they want to know... Can you prove it? So of course, again, we come back to this thing of, you know, are you an expert in this area? Everyone says yes. Do other people say you're an expert in this area? So I'm saying I'm an expert on SEO. Social proof might be that you're talking to me about SEO, David. You know, you're a well-known chap in SEO. The SEO in, in 2024 book will be yet again another bestseller, I'm sure. It's a clue to Google that if you're talking to me and I'm cited in this book, that's another clue. That's more social proof that maybe he does know what he's talking about with SEO, at least to an extent. It's that kind of thing where, you know, who else says you're, and that's where kind of this, that kind of Venn diagram of circles is going to overlap, right? We're talking about expertise. We're talking about social proof that overlaps very much with authoritativeness. Can never say that word, but the way that Google talks about this kind of stuff, your authority. You have to be, in Google's words, the go-to source. Would, the, would this person be your go-to source for X? So if you're looking for SEO experts, is Andrew your go-to source? Maybe not. After like a leader and other people have, you know, said no, you might come down eventually to the bottom of the list. You come to somebody like me, but so, you know, I'm in the ballpark. And again, that kind of thing where you're talking about that person that's going to re-roof your house. He says he's an expert roofer. You go and look on somewhere like Trustpilot or Trust the Trader or whatever the kind of equivalent review sites are for that business or industry, and they all say they're rubbish. Don't use this company, they're cowboys. They're probably not that authoritative. If you've got lots of other things that say, oh, you know, we had our roof redone, they were amazing, five stars would use them again, that's another clue that building up that kind of authority. And what are the key ways that we build our authority, that we um, drive authoritativeness? Do we simply appear in as many industry publications as possible and get reference? Do we build up schema um, on our site in relation to, to who we are and, and why we're a significant authority in the industry? Yeah, so I think those kind of things where if you want to be known as an expert and known as authoritative, then 
you need absolutely other people to be saying it for you. You saying you're an expert is great, is a good start. I'm not saying you shouldn't say that, but you need other people to be saying it for you. And again, helping Google join those dots, disambiguate all those things. So when other people talk about you and say, what a great job you do and how fantastic you are and how authoritative you are, cite that on your websites too, like boast about it. You know, people do those kind of things. They say, oh, look, you know, we were mentioned in the Telegraph's best hundred companies, or we were mentioned in the, you know, local area, like the Cambridge Evening News's best marketing companies in Cambridge said we were one of the best ones. Those kind of things. And you can reference those and like help Google understand that when that site talks about Optimizee and they maybe spelt your name wrong, they do mean you because you mentioned it too. And you can put that in schema and you can join all those dots up and help Google understand that actually, yes, this, this, we're starting to build up a clearer picture of who this company is, who this person is, what they do, who else talks about them, who else says they're good, bad, indifferent. Those are the kind of things that Google's going to be looking for. Is it the way that we position ourselves as being head and shoulders above AI in terms of the quality of the content, the relevance of the content, the authoritativeness of the content, or what's your opinion of um, content that's produced by AI? Is it eventually going to be as good and as consumable and relevant to uh, cons consumers? Honestly, I think probably one day it might be. It's, going to be. it's getting that good already that quickly. I think there is, in certain areas, going to be much harder and harder to differentiate between AI written content and human written content, particularly where there's already this kind of blurring of the lines where some editors are using AI to write it and then they're going back and editing it afterwards and just correcting it and tweaking it and making it sound more human, those kind of things. And you know, these large language learning models, as the name would suggest, they're using that all the time. So when their work is corrected, they go, oh, well, you know, what did the human add to make it sound more human? Oh, they did this and this, and this. okay. I can learn that. I can do that. I can repeat that in those kind of things. So I think there is an element of that, but I think for now it's usually easier to tell the difference between some of the con uh, machine written content. Uh, and again, you look at the quality raters guidelines, Google talk about this kind of stuff you know, One of their kind of, um, important things is they say this content has to be trustworthy, safe, and consistent. And it says, you know, literally explicitly says in the quality raters guidelines, give it the lowest possible rating. So they're telling the quality raters, they're looking at websites. You have this kind of high, middle, and low, is a good website, good, middle, or bad. And you should give it the lowest possible rating if it's created with so little effort, originality, or talent that or skill that the page fails to achieve its purpose. Those, that's, that is Google's words. It's those the kind of things. So they're looking for this, like, you know, the main content is copied, auto-generated, or other create, otherwise created without adequate effort. Google's looking out for this kind of stuff. They know that people are doing it. You know, and to an extent, it was already happening, right? Before ChatGPT came in and wrote all our content for us, people were using RSS feeds and scrapers and you know, various different tools to combine bits and pieces to kind of jigsaw together an article. And Google kind of spotted that. It's not terribly useful. It's not, doesn't take a great deal of effort. You know, like most things in SEO, if it's easy, it's probably not a good long-term solution. It might work for a bit, but probably not for long. If an SEO is struggling for time, what should they stop doing now so they can spend more time doing what you suggest in 2024? As always, stop buying links. So yeah, I think we all get these emails where it's like, stop buying, you know, people say, oh, I'll sell you this link for $50. If you can set up an inbox filter to scrape all those things out, that would be useful. So I think, yeah, stop, stop buying links is always, is, is my stock answer every year. But I think so for something slightly different, maybe stop pursuing trust quite so much. I think if you can build up and show your expertise, authoritativeness and experience in these areas, Google will start to build up and have a more trustworthy overview as you, of your site as a whole. 
Andrew Cox Starkey is founder at Optimizey, and you can find him over at Optimizey.com. Andrew, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2024. Thanks, David. I've been your host, David Bain. Get your copy of SEO in 2024, the book, over at SEOin2024.com. <laughs>